Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Hey there, folks. We are back at the 10K Collective Podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon sellers, talking to a man who is not merely a seven-figure Amazon seller, but sold an Amazon brand for seven figures a mere two and a half years or less, fewer, I should say, after he'd actually created it, which is pretty amazing. That's Ben Leonard. We're in the middle of an interview with Ben and having talked a lot about the really passionate connection that he's clearly so passionate about making with the audience, with the the people buying your products. But they start as an audience or or, uh, readers or watchers of your videos and they end up being your customers on Amazon. So today we're going to talk about keywords and how that fits in with this whole obsession with the customer, where the keywords fit into that. And then not least, least a little acted upon and much bitched about thing, which is intellectual property defense strategy, which is so important. People moan about it. Very few people, few people do something about it. And Ben is the exception to that rule. And we're going to talk about that really, really important topic as well, amongst other things. So stay tuned, enjoy the show. Don't forget to, um, subscribe to the show as well if you like it and don't forget also if you can take a second if you're listening on apple podcasts don't forget to tap on the star rating and give us a rating it'll only take a couple of seconds you don't have to write a review these days if you feel moved to do so that would be great we're happy with a few stars to repay us for finding and recording these wonderful people like ben so enjoy the show thanks for listening Keywords, talking about the keywords for a mm. second, right? Keywords, for example, as one of the types of things that people get far too bogged down in messing about with, trying to squeeze keywords into random backend fields of Seller Central, keywords are not the only thing that drive the algorithm. So after you've been building this momentum by creating a suite of products that serve related problems for a, a we'll call that a niche or um, we'll call it a customer avatar as well, I guess, that will help you to rank because they're buying your products. So suddenly you're going to show up for frequently bought together or customers also bought. Yeah, that type of thing. You can even bundle stuff now uh, using Am- on, on Amazon. So you'll, you'll pretty soon start to dominate. And if you have related products, you might even have several products on, on the first couple of pages of, of Amazon showing up for, for one search. It's a very good point. So again, because that's what we, again, this is just, I'm going to put this absence of evidence is not abs- evidence of absence, I think is the phrase. So in other words, just because we don't see a ton of demographic and behavioral based data from Amazon and we have to get the meager keyword based data which is mostly extrapolated by Jungle Scout or whatever from Amazon's BSR Mm. and whatever else they release or gets hacked from time to time does not mean it ain't there it's just because they ain't sharing it with us I'm quite sure that Amazon is is second to none including Facebook in being experts at demographics like to an insane degree but yeah you're so right there's so much stuff driving the algorithm that we don't ever get to see and therefore we don't discuss but therefore we assume, and this is the danger, it's okay to not see it, but if we assume it doesn't exist because we can't see it, that's like a baby playing peekaboo. You cover your own eyes, you, they don't see the person. There's this sort of mental leap that kids have to make a sort of theory of mind just because I can't see something doesn't mean it ain't there that we kind of never get over in the Amazon world, right? I'm so glad you brought that up because I think, yep. yeah, 
another way of putting it, and I love your thoughts on this, is like Google has got such a sophisticated search algorithm that trying to hack it is less hard work to actually, it's so difficult, it's less hard work to actually just create great content that serves a particular yep. audience and then audience 100%. and then let Google show it. I mean, what's your thought on that? I completely agree. And it ties in with, with, with kind of this point, which is, and it com this comes back kind of to, to scaling, which is, I know one of the things we wanted to, to, to talk about a lot is I'm willing to bet that yet there will be people listening to this screaming at me saying, yeah, but, but, but Ben, I've poured my heart and soul and, and, and all my time into figuring out all these wonderful hacks. And my listings are so well indexed for all these things. I'm doing really, really well. Well, that's fine. You might've done that. And, but, but have you built a brand or are you just selling stuff? And I'm willing to bet that the person who's just selling stuff, but who's done all these weird and wonderful hacks or, or, or tricks might make quite a lot more money over a small period of time. But over time, the person who concentrates on building the brand, building the authority, having all the content off of Amazon, positioning themselves, guide, leading the potential customers with, with empathy and authority, the person who's done that or the team that's done that is building a much more sustainable asset, which you can then go on and sell. Whereas Amazon's algorithm can change in a flash. Amazon can go in and mess around with the back end of your listings or some black hat person from the other side of the world can go in and mess around with all the wonderful things you've done and all the random fields you've filled in the back end of Seller Central. And, you know, your house of cards comes crumbling down and suddenly your business is a lot less sellable. So from that point of view, I would say, well, that ties in quite nicely with your point, Michael, about, you know, don't worry about gaming Google's SEO ranking algorithm or whatever. Just build all the great content, you know? I guess the reason I bring up Google is because in some ways it's kind of obvious, or at least it comes across that way, given the amount of data we get and who knows the truth, that Google does have in some ways a very sophisticated search algorithm. Now, Amazon's very sophisticated, but it's driven by slightly different priorities. But yeah, as it gets more mature, there's is a noticeable trend for Amazon's search algorithm and indeed advertising platform to become more and more Google-like, at least in my experience. I started in 2014 and I'm not an expert in Google, but I've doubled enough to see. So yes, and, and what I suppose I'm saying is that the better Amazon gets at matching a customer's search intent and whatever based on the keywords, but also their previous buying behavior, which I'm quite sure is in there, as you said. It's a really critical yep. point. We don't see it, don't mean it doesn't exist. But they put that together and they serve up a relevant result. And if we create incredibly relevant results, we got to just trust that the algorithm is going to deliver. And, and I love the fact that you, as you can put a lot of time and effort into trying to create optimized listings that are optimized for Amazon as it is now. And literally in three months time, it will have changed. And as you say, that's there's something soul destroying about that entire endeavor that I, I just can't, can't can't get behind or get excited about. I sat in so many masterminds with people that we probably both know sometimes or like some because it's a small enough community and enough eight figure sellers to go around or seven figures. And, and like, sometimes I'm like, I've gone away, gone, I, think, I just can't be bothered to, to learn about this. Cause in three months time, if you're lucky, it will have changed. And then, why bother? So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I think what you know, we're going to talk about the selling thing in the next process, uh, the next episode, I should say, because that's a whole different game. But tell me a bit more about your lessons from the scaling thing, because we, we, you're right, we need to come back to that. We're yeah. going down some interesting. I know it's not rabbit warrens, but some very interesting stuffs coming up here. So tell me about that. What 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 is the difference between the expansion and defensibility for starters? I mean, where where does that point come? So, I mean, there were some key key lessons from from the scaling, you know, and we touched on a couple of them there, which is, you know, obviously create create your your suite of products to serve a group of people, expand that that 
that suite and expand your markets. But there's a couple of really important things that I learned while scaling. And uh, the first is, is something that so many people forget about or, or neglect or they think oh, it'll never happen to me. And it's intellectual property. And we talk about it quite a lot now in the Amazon and e-commerce space and on, on many of the podcasts, which is great. And Amazon now taking it more seriously is, is, is trademarks. But even so, people don't really understand trademarks. They're just like, oh, if I just get somebody to pay for me to have a trademark, everything will be fine. That's not really the case. Suppose you've created a brand or a product with a particular name. You need to have a defensive strategy around your brand in terms of all the intellectual property associated with it. So that can be trademarks, that could be patents, it could be design registrations. And you need to be paying a professional to do this for you. You can, if you're in the UK listening to this, you can go onto company's house and you can do your own trademark if you're confident enough. I, I did it at the start, but I ended up paying twice because I then went to very, very good intellectual property attorneys, like we're talking top of the top, work for the stuff, to create me a defensive intellectual property strategy to have me protected globally. In every market I was selling in, in every market where, where I was manufacturing, so for example, some of my products were made in China. Not only did I register my brand name in, in Latin characters, I had it and I had it translated and then protected, if that makes sense. That, that is to stop people from trying to register it over there and to stop anyone from trying to prevent you from manufacturing or exporting your products from over there, which happens. There are horror stories out there. Oh God, yeah. And what's fascinating, and I love the fact you did that because what's what's a given for any group of Amazon sellers, they, they're going to be a few topics that are top of mind. The latest algorithm hacks, the fact that they hate Amazon because they've done something horrible in their listings, some inventory disaster, and pretty much somewhere up in the top four or five, depending on the latest problems, somebody knocking off your products in china it's a given that it's going to happen and i love the fact that this is the weird weird thing everyone's so hyper conscious of the problem they talk about it all the time people bits in the facebook groups of their newbies people talking the, the masterminds of their veteran seven or eight figure sellers i the number of people who've actually done something about it like oh, you God. have it's like a cancel the figures of one hand one hand uh, crazy but, and the, the thing is right is that so i did that when i, I you know i, I the way I'm speaking about it, it makes it almost sound as if it was my idea. It was not my idea. I had no idea about this until an expert told me, right? And so the expert who, you know, years and years of experience in intellectual property told me to do this in 2017, and then I paid them to go and do it for me. 2017, no one was talking about that issue in, in, in e-commerce and Amazon selling specifically. And it wasn't then until 2018 when I came up against somebody who tried to sue me for no reason that this defensive strategy paid dividends. And if I had not gone to the expert in the first place, I would not have been protected. My business could have just, that would have been it. So it's a good job I did. There's nothing wrong with bootstrapping your business, but when it comes to intellectual property, do not scrimp. Love it. And by the way, I just want to do that. There's a thought experiment that Nicholas Nassim Taleb, who's a fascinating thinker, kind of a fascinating and, and crazy at the same time. But I love his books and um, makes you think if nothing else. And he said, imagine a thought experiment. And this is about defensiveness. And, and that was part of his strategy it was like, I'm going to prepare for the very unexpected eventuality, which for most of us being sued is fairly unexpected, although it probably shouldn't be. I, I don't want to dwell on it too much. But he said, imagine this, the guy who works for an airline 
diagnoses there as a massive weakness that terrorists could get into the cockpit with any kind of just domestic penknife, threaten the pilot, cause a crash. And therefore, he institutes something where they lock the airline doors. It causes a lot of problems. Some pilot dies of a heart attack because somebody can't get through to it. And he retires, poorly paid, in disgrace, thinking he has failed. But guess what? That's because you don't see the things that don't happen. So the fact that you didn't lose your shirt when you got sued, and that might never have happened. You would never have known how important your defensive strategy was. So what I'm saying is that didn't happen in 9-11. Now they shut the door after the horses bolted, after thousands of people died. Not I'm criticising that particular thing, but do you know what I mean? It's very, very, very hard to persuade yourself to give time, money, effort and focus on something that may never happen. And that's a kind of risk analysis mentality that I think is very yeah. uncommon. And you've got, you actually did the job. So what do you think is, why do you think you made that leap and how could you in, encourage others to do that? I'll, I'll answer that in one second, but I'm just going to say, hold that thought as well, because it's really interesting because I think that ties very nicely into why some people decide not to use a broker when they're trying to sell their business. Very interesting. Because they, <laughs> okay, they don't want to, they don't want to pay a broker the fees. And actually there's a lot of very good reasons why you ought to use a broker. I'm a little bit biased because I am a broker, but I also sold my business using a broker. But just to come back to, to your question, why, why did I do it? I did it because an expert told me to, an expert who I knew, liked and trusted. I had built a relationship with that expert over a period of time of them helping me register my trademarks initially in the in the UK and helping me to put together a design registration for a product that I'd developed and needed to protect. And when the opportunity came to spend some money to widen the protection, we sat down, had a meeting and had a, a conversation. And the advice was you need an international in everywhere you're selling, everywhere you may sell, and everywhere you're manufacturing. And of course, this made the business a whole lot more attractive to a buyer as well, because their risk now was, was minimized. So basically, I just listened to the experts. That's, that's, that's why I did it. I, I, that's my school of thought, right? If, I have, I'm not, if I'm not an expert on something, I'm going to pay someone who is to tell me what to do. Someone that I know, like, and trust. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's my school of thought. Love it. And, and I would just say on the back of that, just to keep it very simple, I know your business partner in the brokerage, Alison Walker, who we've had on the show twice, because I'm a passionate believer, everyone should listen to their accountants more. And I definitely just religiously believe in that. This, this is basically the other thing is like, we don't talk to lawyers enough. They're expensive people and they fuss. And I should know because my dad was a lawyer. And if you, I took him a contract over that I'd sign with somebody, he'd take it apart and worry about the detail. But guess what? At a certain level and probably, and this is the le one of the lessons I'm taking from you, at an earlier stage, well, yeah, this is like one year in, right? That one yep. year into something, you're already looking at defensive strategy and the flip side of that at the other end of the process that you've already flagged up, the attractiveness of that. I mean, let's be very brutally honest. An Amazon, a, a business as an asset compared to say buying a ready-made property or real estate is pretty high risk. And that's high risk compared to bonds or treasuries or gilts, or whatever, as a place to park your capital, right? So it's already high risk asset class. If it's on Amazon and Amazon could shut it down on a whim, as we all, we've heard the horror stories and some of us experienced it, then that's even higher risk. So to de-risk it, Yep. is is so super smart and most people are just in denial about the risk level they're in and as opposed to managing it what are your thoughts on that i'm coming back well, to the risk thing again i'm obsessed with sure. risk management for some so reason. you're right that i only did it a year in but we it was we were on an upward trajectory it was obvious this thing had legs and we needed to to protect it it's also worth remembering that these things all you know people are people don't want to spend money which is natural and i should know i'm from aberdeen right we're all really tight we don't like to spend money but you've got to remember, it's an investment in de-risking your business. 
it's an investment in making it more attractive down the line to a buyer. It's an investment in 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 not having it all go to to, to rubbish when somebody wants to take you down or or, or whatever. You know, whether it's a, a legitimate or or a a dodgy IP claim. But also, it's an ad back. So that's a technical term, but an ad back. Uh, when we're talking about e-commerce is when uh, uh, it's, it's a cost that your business has had, which you can add back onto your sheet and effectively it doesn't affect it when it comes to valuing your business. So if you've spent the money on your intellectual property, if you spent the money on your trademarks, your design registrations and whatnot, the new owner of the business isn't going to have to, that's not something they'll ever have to repeat because you've done it. So it's an add back, right? So yes, you have to spend the money, but it doesn't, won't in the long term affect your profit. And it, with any luck, you'll be doing it early enough anyway that you won't yeah. be selling the business for quite some time later. And so yeah. it wouldn't appear in your tw- trailing 12-month uh, profit and loss statement anyway. Amazing. And so I guess that if we think the longer term rather than immediate cash flow, which is always a concern, and immediate profit and loss, which is obviously a concern. But I guess immediate profit and loss is kind of irrelevant it, it, once you come to sell, right? But the the, the, the trajectory of the yep. hopefully the EBITDA going up or the, the pre-tax profit, whatever metric you like to use, or cash flow even better, is the thing that helps it sell. But yeah, you just made an exceptionally important point that in terms of the value of the business, you kind of built the value in so you can kind of take it back out. So in other words, you could see it as money that you've just parked for maybe a few years in a place, which then comes back to you in a form. Is, is that a reasonable way of looking at it? I, I, yeah, that kind makes of. sense. It's kind of a bit screwy. An accountant would be kind of holding their head in their hands at this point. But Probably. in terms of a way uh, of yeah, thinking... Alison's yeah. not here, so it's fine. No, that's okay. Okay, great. Well, that's a really... I mean, so in other words, you could see it as a kind of investment that you eventually kind of pays off financially in a very direct, meaningful way, i.e. you put it in as an ad back. That's, Absolutely. That's really important. That, so that helps. Absolutely. But it's low, what I'm trying to do is lower the barrier to people using lawyers and, and accountants to be responsibly. Yeah. And it's worth like, remembering that you might be able to get uh, grants and stuff to do this type of thing so i was very lucky mm. so i'm for those you know I, I know you've got listeners all over the world but you've got a lot of listeners in the uk so i'm i live in aberdeen in northeast scotland i benefited from a grant from scottish enterprise which is organized you know it's it's kind of government political organization to 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 boost small medium enterprises in scotland and there was a grant available and i, I used some of that towards my defensive IP strategy, especially post, well, during now and post COVID, there's going to be lots of this stuff available all over the UK. So, you know, look at what your council's offering, look at what uh, regional, you know, if you're in Wales, you know, what's the Welsh Assembly offering? If you're in England, what's the UK government offering, whatever, in terms of grants for your business, because you can put that towards, that's a really good investment to put that towards. Such a great idea. And yeah, there's tons of grants. I mean, there's so much stuff knocking around. In the UK, by the way, on the grants, slight red herring, but there's even grants which you can put out there that the government's putting out to spend on getting your products into the EU or vice versa, which is proving, as you would expect, horrendously difficult right now at the time of recording. But the the point is, yeah, there's actually a ton of grants around for for small business because government kind of, on the one hand, kicks business in the teeth occasionally in various different forms, good or bad. You can judge it in a political question, but they do actually offer good stuff as well. And we often ignore that. So that's a really nice plot, actually. What a great use of money. The final thing I want to talk about, we've definitely got to talk about why you sold and the whole selling process. And that's going to be for our next episode, I think. But another Another, another thing I've got here in our notes for about the scaling is jump through hoops to get rewards. What, yeah. what is that? yeah, so jump through hoops to get rewards. Did you ever have a, say, a Sega Mega Drive? 
I'm afraid I didn't. If everyone listening ever had played Sonic the Hedgehog, you'll know that Sonic jumped through hoops to get more points. And, and I like to think of this as my Sonic strategy in, in e-commerce. When you see a barrier up, a, up in the road ahead, or, or even when you don't see it coming, and it, the immediate reaction is, oh, no, another thing. Another thing that I've got to do. And I'm already running around like a headless chicken putting out fires. But when you take a step back and take a deep breath and have a think about that barrier, quite often it is worth climbing over or if it's a hoop jumping through. Let me give you an example. Before I took Beast Gear into the rest of Europe, so this is, I, I, my sales were doing fine in the UK and, and they were doing okay in Europe on the distance selling thing, right? Somebody, the products were appearing on, say, Amazon Germany, but when somebody bought it, it was being shipped from the UK. It was taking longer. We were appearing lower down in the rank. To get Prime activated, essentially, to get into the local fulfillment centers, I needed to turn on PAN-EU. To turn on PAN-EU, I had to register for VAT in France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Poland, and the Czech Republic. And for some of these things, I needed officially translated, stamped, notarized documents. I needed to give a retina scan and a blood sample. And it was a massive pain in the arse. So many people would start the process and give up or not bother starting at all or start the process and get it wrong and then not bother trying to fix it. By jumping through those hoops, I basically doubled my sales practically overnight, right? By going through the rigmarole of having my the product that I developed, having it design registered, I was able to, you know, I hinted at it earlier when we were talking about IP. I was able to fight off in kind of a David versus Goliath way, this potentially massive lawsuit from this North American who were completely wrong and they knew it about saying that I had infringed on their intellectual property rights and I was able to make them go away. And they clearly had had previous history of, of coming after other small businesses, which they knew were one person. They tried to bully me out of business, but because I jumped through the hoops and spent the money on getting protected... I was able to, to come out the other side. So when you jump through the hoops, you get more points, you win. You emerge on the other side of the hoop ahead of all the people who couldn't be bothered, if that makes sense. Yeah, they say, what, what is it, something like the, fish is, the fishing in sweetest where nobody dares to go or something like that. Something but yeah, like it's, that. It's, yeah, in other words, a barrier, a barrier to you is a barrier to somebody else. And I guess that's actually a useful thing because one of the biggest problems in the world, in, in the Amazon kind of micro universe, is just hyper competition and yep. lest we forget jeff bezos said again and again and again like it's an open secret that that people look the other way and try and ignore i can't imagine a time you know and he says this repeatedly for a decade two decades at least i can't imagine a time when the customers don't want more selection lower prices and faster delivery now faster delivery means that we got stuff on prime we, we get to benefit from that the other two are absolutely diametrically opposed to our individual sellers interests and we are in a, a hyper competition environment so anything we can do to put a barrier between us and our, and our competition is a great great thing it's a pain in the butt to implement but the fact that some people can't be bothered or aren't willing to listen to experts or don't hire good people i mean there are accountants out there who don't understand amazon for example or or you know that sort of local high street lawyer would would not cope with international ip law in the slightest so you know either incompetence or, or laziness that's a fantastic thing i love it in my competitions incompetent or lazy that's the best oh, yeah, protection best, of my brand yeah, <laughs> yep so yes. that's 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 the lesson jump through the hoops to get rewards and you know there's there's all sorts of hoops that 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 you can jump through so anyone listening if there's something that that's coming up or that that you've been avoiding which is difficult to do but but you you pretty well know that there is a reward on the other side put in the effort to do it that sounds a good scottish kind of uh 
kind of exhortation there. I think that that sounds like it got moral fiber behind you there. I love that. So the trouble, look, ben, is, my, the trouble is, I was born in Essex. <laughs> oh really? Oh, that's really funny. Oh well, never mind. You could you could brand yourself as a Scottish kind of rigger with Essex kind of bit of trader kind of thrown in. Anyway, so Ben, look, it's, it's a total pleasure to talk to you. Just just amazingly great, great stuff. Amazingly great. It's an amazing, amazingly great way of putting it. But it really, really fantastic stuff. If people want to get hold of you, obviously, I, you, you got the brokerage, and we're going to talk about that in the next episode. But if people i know you have a sort of consulting wing to your work as well if people want to hear from you because you clearly have a passion for this stuff apart from the proven success how do people get help you yep uh you can email me which is ben at benleonard.pro you can visit my website which is benleonard.pro you can get me on all the social media channels the main ones my handle is benleonardpro you can link it in there's a facebook group if you want to look that up it's called ecom made easy and of course, we've got the brokerage, which we're going to talk about in the next episode. So I'll, I'll save that for then. Amazing. Well, look, Ben, uh, we are going to talk about that. I'm looking forward to hearing all about how you sold your business and why. But for now, many, many thanks for a fantastic load of wisdom. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.